You're listening to The Tool Belt, a manufacturing podcast focusing on logistics, safety, operations, and breaking industry news. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Tool Belt Podcast brought to you by Endeavor Business Media's Manufacturing Group. Today, we've got Ron Marshall back with us, and he is an independent consultant in the compressed air industry. He's also the marketing chair of the Compressed Air Challenge. Um, We are going to talk today about the cover story that Ron wrote for Plant Services Magazine back in August, which was all about compressed air system upgrades. Um, Ron, I appreciate you being with us today to talk more about this topic and how to persuade teams to uh, to invest in the equipment they need. Thanks very much for the invitation. You started your article with a really good point, what you referred to as a stunning observation um, that most of your customers did not view compressed air energy efficiency as their primary concern. Now, in a world where we're all watching ESG goals and energy efficiency goals, that would have taken me by surprise too. But you said you found that many plant managers would willingly spend three or four times more on energy to make sure their systems performed. Yeah, yeah. In the area of compressed air, that's, uh, hmm. I I believe, true. Yeah. You know, they're more focused uh, these days is on energy efficiency and there's there's lots of corporations that have corporate mandates uh wanting to uh, reduce energy consumption in various areas of their plant but yeah i i work for a power utility uh, directly involved in trying to persuade customers to reduce energy consumption on their compressed air systems we found that that was a really good segment where there's lots of opportunity for savings, we had millions of dollars to spend to give uh, Mm. if customers would put together an energy efficiency project on their compressed air. And um, but I was finding it was pretty tough to persuade people to do the changes just on the basis of energy efficiency alone. Right. It was really tough. You know, I'd go in there and talk about energy f- efficiency and their eyes would kind of glaze over. Kind of huh. hurt my kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, and uh, in the meantime, we were we we're putting on various uh, compressed air challenge uh, awareness trainings. Mm-hmm. And you know, I started talking to the people why they were at the training and. Very often it wasn't about energy efficiency. It was because of a problem they were having with their system and they're trying to get some knowledge how to fix that problem. You know, it could be water in the air or it could be bad pressure stability, could could be reliability, could be that they had to buy a compressor and they didn't know what kind of compressor to buy, right? They're okay. looking for answers, right? So that started... I started thinking about that and realized that energy efficiency is not on on top of people's minds when they're dealing with their compressed air. The most important part is the reliability, air quality, things like that. And so, yeah, um, I found that 
if I kind of changed my sales pitch a little bit in focusing on all those other more important things, then people would listen, right? And they would see, okay, there's uh, some free money available yeah, to right. help me buy compressors. And I can fix up my, buy my new compressor, get some advice about buying it, um, and uh, fix my problem. And then I found, okay, we can fix the problem. We can persuade them to do extra stuff, right? Huh. Big tanks and efficient compressors, efficient dryers, uh, bigger pipes, things like that, because there's all this money available for them to, to do so. Right. Um, and the energy efficiency part just came with it, right? It came on the coattails of fixing other problems. It's really interesting. I mean, it's one of those dynamics, Ron, where I think a lot of us either wished or hoped it wouldn't be true that the energy efficiency would be more top of mind. But on a certain level, I can understand completely. There's practicalities when you're on the job, when you're evaluated as much on throughput as energy efficiency, probably more so on throughput and productivity than energy efficiency. Um, because uh, you know, for various reasons, either either avoided energy costs are harder to, are harder to see on the bottom line, or simply because you know you're a plant, you make things. Your number one KPI is how many things did you make? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uptime. Yeah, you don't want people hanging around uh, the factory doing nothing because the compressed air system is down. I have one client. Um, I'm dealing with an audit there uh, just now, and um, it's a farm implement plant. They make uh, these great big uh, swather things, you know, that gather up the grain. <clears throat> yeah. They've got a powder paint line that's very sensitive to oil. Uh, they've got a very high efficient uh, VSD compressor, but mm -hmm. there's something wrong with the compressor. It's uh, throwing oil, and that oil uh, goes all the way down the line and and ruins the paint job. And these things that they're painting are great big, you know, 30 feet long uh, pieces of, uh, of metal. Mm -hmm. So um, every time he starts that compressor, they have problems. So his yeah. job is on the line, right? Yeah. He, he wants to start that compressor and become more energy efficient, but he doesn't want to lose his job in uh, losing thousands of dollars worth of um, product because of bad air, right? So. Yeah. In the top of his mind, the air quality is much more important than energy efficiency. Wow. Well, and the way you put it in your article is that you realize there was way to, there was way to get a double win. I was curious on that count when it comes to getting those double wins. Does it take any particular extra verbal dexterity, for example, to make the case like this? Or is more what it takes around, like you said, where once you understand what the primary issue is it might be reliability it might be oil in the, in the airline it might be water in the airline once you do solve that wane problem then the conversation sort of naturally follow on yeah i don't know if it's verbal dexterity or not but i i think that uh realizing what they're thinking right mm -hmm. uh, what what they feel is most important with their system and then using you know the energy program to solve their problem and i, I always kind of talked about it as a triple win actually when huh. uh, we were fixing 
problems because, well, I was working for the power utility, so I wanted results, right? That was win number one. Uh, we could solve the customer's problem. That's win number two. And I told the, the compressor salespeople that they were winning as well because uh, here's all that extra money that's being spent uh, because of the financial incentives for bigger bigger tanks, uh, more efficient compressors, premium compressors, they're more expensive, right? So they yeah. were winning too, right? <laughs> so a triple win, I, th I thought. Oh, that's great. And, and how did people respond when you introduced them to the free money concept and said, hey, did you know there's this incentive and that incentive? The uptake in our incentives uh, greatly increased. In fact, of all the segments in the industrial area in that program, uh, compressed air was the biggest one. In mm. some years, it was uh, 80, 85% of the, the total, right? There's so many projects wow. going through, right? So the tons and tons. So I would joke uh, that the CEO, if he wanted to cut uh, your budget by a million dollars he he just had to fire me right because <laughs> yeah but yeah we were we were uh, granting uh, our customers millions of dollars a, a year in uh better equipment uh, incentives for better equipment and and they were happy they had uh sometimes a brand new system that was almost bulletproof right uh very good systems well, and you spent the second half of your article outlining and blocking out some of the common problem areas that you encountered. You bucketed the problems you encountered in two or three groups. And so I'd like to spend the rest of our time together today talking about those groups. Um, I think the first one was the one that caught my attention the quickest, which was maintenance and repair costs and reliability. Long story short, I think a lot of our listeners may have seen this. Oftentimes, the cost to repair a legacy asset, like a compressor, uh, like a motor, ends up being more than the cost to replace and yet those repairs happen so sporadically or once in a while or the, or the repairs aren't being tracked that often that once people do see the overall cost to repair they realize oh my gosh we actually spent more to repair this thing five times than it would have to replace with a new upgraded model yeah there's other things to look at uh, other than uh, energy efficiency right uh, that mm -hmm. that can save money but uh, yeah the compressors uh, they don't live forever Right, they're just like uh, automobiles, right? And they they only last uh, so many hours. Um, they're running, you know, in a big plant. Those compressors are running 24/7, you know, eight eighty eight thousand seven hundred sixty hours a year, right? So so they uh, they need replacing and uh, need repairing, and uh, and they'll just wear wear out. So yeah, I talked about in the article this uh, one paper mill. They had really old uh, oil-free compressors. 1965, I think they're installed. They're still there, actually, <laughs> running. But they, you know, they're they're so old. There's no parts available, so they had to have custom parts, custom rings. They were had Teflon rings in them, oh, and wow. uh, they had to send to some other province, uh, send their their compressors away. And it it turned out uh, the repair costs each year was much more than the electrical costs. Right? There's only hmm. going to be a slight decrease in energy costs if they if they change to new types of compressors mm -hmm. but um, that repair cost you know that uh, was really significant and uh, that was definitely something that uh, they took interest in right the repair cost it's interesting so for anyone who's 
now wondering how much did it just cost to repair that compressed air storage tank or that compressor itself uh take a look at your cmms or your business intelligence system and and try and find out what those repair numbers actually are because if, if you don't right. know it might surprise you when i'm doing audits i always uh, ask for uh, some sort of printout maybe over the last five years how, mu how much uh, it costs to repair the compressors yeah yeah mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm in another plant uh, just now monitoring and um, it's just a very small plant 100 horse compressor mm -hmm. uh, I asked for those numbers and uh, I, I saw a repair cost of $14,000 uh, it only cost $12,000 an electrical cost to run that compressor but $14,000 <laughs> and then so I identified okay this is why they called me in, right? This uh, big repair cost. You know, they're trying to figure out uh, what to do about that compressor. It's old and they don't want to incur another cost like that. Turned out, uh, you know, once you measure the system, you, I could I could see that compressor is four times too large, right? All they need is a 20 horse compressor, not a hundred, right? Uh -huh. And uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, uh, you know, uh, good things happen when you when you actually measure stuff. <laughs> we should have that put on like a bumper sticker or, uh, or an event ribbon. Good things happen when you measure stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's a second category. I sort of lumped in two different topics in one, but I wanted to talk about um, the 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 quality of the of the air in the line itself. So I put air quality and pressure stability together. Um, that's also in it. You, you you alluded to say oil in the compressed air line. Um, yeah. And you also mentioned you know water in the lines a, a common issue as well or something that's easy to troubleshoot. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, when I when I go do measurements, I always uh, try to put a, a dew point meter on to see if the air dryers are working. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's a big thing, especially in food food products companies, where uh, sometimes the compressed air gets close or sometimes contacts the uh, the product. Right? You don't want uh, water in the line. Right? That's a, right. an oxygen rich environment in there. Uh, water and there's organic organic uh, you know dust and scale and all that stuff that mm -hmm. they're in the wetter regions of the compressed air if you've ever had the misfortune of spraying some condensate on your hand in a compressed air system and you smell it, it smells like an old gym sock right yeah. so it's uh that that's because there's microbes growing in there one of the the main things to to prevent the growth of microorganisms inside the system is to keep the system dry, right? Mm. So dryness is very important to air quality in a food grade plant, right? And, yeah. you know, yeah. that uh, water carries rust and, you know, by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's a uh, black gunk that comes yeah. out and it'll spray on product and uh, discolor it. Yeah, uh, very important to keep that air quality uh, very nice and clean and dry and the pressure very stable right that's that's a production variable right and if it's yeah. going up and down 30 psi uh, it can take machines down and very hard to troubleshoot right because people are not usually blaming the the compressed air pressure right. for a machine breakdown you know so that's uh, mm -hmm. something that you should measure as well you know, I've not had the pleasure of having compressed air condensate spray into my hand like that. However, we have boys that are 10 and 12, 
And uh, when they when they got back in their school activities in September, I know exactly the smell you're talking about because they would come home and suddenly <laughs> our back porch felt, smelled like dirty gym shoes. <laughs> That's right. It, it wasn't cool enough in the house or outside to really get rid of that without a little bit of help. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be spraying that on your buns, you know, in a in a bakery or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, we I did a webinar just yesterday on predictive maintenance technologies, Ron, and one of the PDM cases was. Uh, a, a automated lubrication system for a oven industrial oven chain and what was happening was the the applicator wheel was designed to deliver grease and not oil and so what was happening was the oil was uh, uh lower viscosity and it would it just it, it started running over the product and pulling kind of pulling on the floor and uh, um the team didn't know what the problem was this uh but they had a specialist in lubrication come in and identify, wait a second, that technology is meant to deliver something which is a lot thicker, not a lot <laughs> thinner. So, um, yeah, oil in the product. This wasn't a compressed air story, but I hear you loud and clear where you walk into a plant. If that's one of the trouble spots to look at right away, even if you are looking at the compressor system is product quality. What is affecting the end product? Is it a paint yes. job? Is it, is it oil on the buns? Oh. Yeah, very important. Yeah. The, the quality yeah. of air and uh, pressure stability is important, yeah. And, uh, you know, you identified a misapplication of a um, you know, maintenance item, uh, and there's uh, sometimes uh, misapplications that are found when you start digging into things. Uh, you know, equipment is being used uh, incorrectly, right? Yeah. I just ran across uh, the other day a desk and dryer feeding a laser cutter. Right, mm -hmm. and they had a double dryer system, so they had a membrane dryer on uh, a desiccant dryer, right, mm -hmm. in series. Uh, so one of them is redundant, and um, this this particular plant had a very high load during non-production, and it was all mm. all due to this dryer system. A membrane dryer consumes air constantly, and so does a desiccant dryer if it's uh, if it's not controlled properly. So so that was uh, more than 50% of the total uh, consumption in the place, just this dryer, uh, only used eight hours a day, yet uh, the compressed air system was uh, pressurized 100% of the time, right? And the wow. rest of it was mostly leaks. So yeah. I, when I, when I do my, did my calculations, I found that 98% of the the uh, demand was due to the air dryer and leaks, and the hmm. rest of it was production. <laughs> wow, wow, and that certainly that leak example is going to resonate with with our asset management listeners here. Um, there seems to be enough time in the, in the day to stamp them all out. Well, let's go to the last category: the the heating and cooling costs too. Um, you had a good a couple of good examples in the article of how those were the presenting problem in the plant too right that that was the, the that was a primary problem you were looking at yeah yeah um heat recovery uh, is something that uh is is important mm -hmm. uh, in a compressed air system especially you know when you live where you and i live right where it gets cold in the winter right so so that's uh that's one extra way you can justify a project right not only maybe is uh, maintenance reduced, uh, the energy consumption is reduced, but also you can you can take some of that heat and 
most of the energy that goes into an air compressor comes out as heat and mm-hmm. do something with it, right? Uh, and that also, the, the displaced uh, fuel could be natural gas or oil or electricity, you know, in, mm-hmm. um, in heating something in the plant uh, can save you money as well and help justify the, the change uh, to the uh, compressed air system, right? Reminds me of something Wayne Perry once said: "Is that you didn't just buy yourself a new compressor; you bought yourself a heater, which happens yeah. to make com- which happens to make compressed air." <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, so it it's easy to take the heat and uh, and route it somewhere where mm-hmm. where there ne- needs to be heat in the winter. But it's even better if you um, if you take that heat. Uh, if there's something that needs heat 100% of the time, like a boiler or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I talked about in the article where um, a potato processing plant, they ran all the uh, water from the air compressors into their boiler, right? Because they they weren't recovering their condensate. Uh, the the uh, steam was going to peel potatoes, really. That's what they were <laughs> using, you know, uh, the majority of it for. Mm-hmm. So they had to replace that water uh uh, and um, uh, most of it uh, went into the boiler. So preheating the water uh-huh. going into the boiler saved save them natural gas costs. Wow. There's all okay. kinds of other examples. Um, and I know that uh, one place I, I did an audit in Malaysia, an Asian country uh, right around the world from us. Um, there it never right. gets cold, right? I think the coolest it ever gets is uh, 25 Celsius or what's that, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. But yet they were using the heat from their compressors for something, right? So they huh. had uh, they were making solar cells. They had all kinds of chemical vats where they would dip the solar cell substrates in to, to process. So they took the heat off their compressors and sent it uh, to these... Uh, chemical vats to heat it up or it didn't totally heat it up but it uh it was was mostly you know the the input energy input for it mm-hmm. and um so doing that uh, we calculated it reduced their system their compressed air system costs uh quite substantially it was down to maybe 11 kilowatts per 100 cfm instead of 20 kilowatts per 100 cfm for oh, a, wow. a normal system because they were using the heat for something you've got that money back to reinvest then in whatever kinds of equipment upgrades you need. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just to draw the direct connection, but yeah, that that's what we're talking about. Well, Ron, we're almost at the end of our time for the podcast today. Any final thoughts on this topic where you, where you're looking at uh, energy efficiency as it's on top of everyone's mind, but oddly enough, when it comes to these decisions, there might be other problems which are more critical to fix. Yeah, I think we covered most of them. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Very, you know, it's very common to see overheating happening uh, in compressed air systems, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a common problem. That uh, when you're upgrading their system, you have to make sure that uh, your system is sized properly, especially the air drying system. You know, so in the hottest, most humid summer day after a rainstorm, when it's uh, super humid out that uh, your air dryer can handle all that excess heat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that goes uh, to to easily maintain, you know, the uh, air quality. Um, and it reduces the pressure drop across the air dryers if you have it uh, upsized, you know, mm-hmm. for the worst case scenario. 
one other thing that uh, is very common to see is the lack of uh, backup capacity, right? Huh. So uh, a, a well-designed system will have enough backup capacity to withstand the, the loss of the biggest compressor, right? Mm-hmm. And so your biggest compressor goes down, a backup starts automatically, right? And and maintains the pressure. Nothing goes down. Production doesn't go down. You don't have thousands of people sitting there twiddling their thumbs, right? Because yeah. you have backup capacity. But I would say very high percentage of my customers have no backup capacity. So when the compressor goes down, then disaster happens, right? Production wow. shuts down. They have to bring in an expensive diesel compressor, mm-hmm. right? So um that that is uh definitely something that should be on top of mind when you're upgrading a system have enough backup capacity to to handle the failure of the largest compressor and it reduces maintenance costs too because like i've got i've got customers they only shut down on holidays right Uh, Mm -hmm. they have no backup capacity so when they call in their their maintenance people to change the oil or do repair on the compressors or something like that, they have to do it on a statutory holiday, right? And it costs yeah. them an arm and a leg to to get people there, right? So have enough backup capacity. That's uh, very important. That has to be designed in, right? Wow. No, that's a great point. Thank you for mentioning that. It reminds me of a. Uh, uh, practitioner I, I once knew who said that his problem well one of the first problems he would look at when he arrived at a new plant was how many com- rental compressors are in the yard either being used or unused and the he used that as an index into whether the plant was actually proactive about maintenance tasks and operations tasks or whether they were simply flying by the seat of their pants that's right yeah 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 the problem is you know the dollars the maintenance dollars uh keep shrinking right the the budgets yeah. keep shrinking and it's it's tough for maintenance people to to properly maintain their compressors because they don't have the staff very often and don't have the money you know available to uh, to do full maintenance but very very important to do with uh, air compressors right they yeah. they need to be maintained especially the lubricants inside them because uh, those lubricants are in an aggressive environment, right? You're mixing mm-hmm. it with compressed air, heating it, right? Exposing mm-hmm. it uh, um, with to water and all that stuff. So very aggressive uh, environment for, for lubricants. Uh, so you have to change the lubricants on a proper schedule and test it, right? To make sure that it's uh, got the proper properties. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Ron. Um, I'll make sure that there's a link to your article in the transcript and in the podcast notes and also a link to Compressed Air Challenge, uh, which if, if you're looking to have your team trained up on compressed air technologies, compressed air best practices, look no further than compressedairchallenge.com. It's uh, a great site, a great resource. They have both training materials and trainers themselves you can work with, right, Ron? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm a trainer as well. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, quite a few trainers available to could even come to your plant and do uh, compressed air challenge training or there could be uh, other uh, regularly scheduled uh, trainings uh, nearby or even webinars right that are available. And hey, you never know your plant might uncover some free money if you talk to Ron. <laughs> that's right. So. 
All right. Well, Ron, thanks for being with us today. And uh, I look forward to the next time we get to talk to you. Thanks very much. Talk to you later.